Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our podcast studio, Jonathan Hout. Jonathan is the Executive Director of the Pat Conroy Literary Center in Beaufort, South Carolina. He has been the director of the University of South Carolina Press and has served on the board of Columbia's One Book, One Community program. He currently serves on the board of the Friends of South Carolina Libraries, is a member of the Affiliates Committee of the American Writers Museum, and is also on the Board of Governors of the South Carolina Academy of Authors, which is South Carolina's Literary Hall of Fame. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Curtis. It's really nice to be here with you today. It's great to have you here. And I have known Jonathan for quite some time, and we've served on a number of these boards and committees together. So in, it's it's good to have, have. you here. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners and your work and what you do at the Pat Conroy Literary Center. Sure. Well, uh, Mr. Conroy, Roy and I were publishing partners of a sort during the last five or so years of his life when I was director of the University of South Carolina Press mm-hmm. and Pat uh, volunteered to become the editor-at-large of a fiction imprint we created together called Story River Books. It mm-hmm. gave him a chance to be a teacher one more time and to uh, champion what in the end were 22 novels and short story collections. Wow. It's a really transformative point in my life, too, just to work alongside Pat to learn from him, uh, to teach him a little bit as well. That's mm-hmm. generally the way the best student-teacher relationships can work. Mm-hmm. So when Pat passed away March 4th of 2016, there was this uh, great hole in the hearts of so many people, this great mm-hmm. Conroy-shaped hole, mm-hmm. and his friends and his family went to work creating this nonprofit Pat Conroy Literary Center in mm-hmm. Beaufort, South Carolina, to continue Pat's literary legacy. And uh, I was honored to be invited to be the executive director of that center when it got off the ground. So mm-hmm. we announced that transition for me in October of 2016, and I've been in Beaufort ever since. Mm-hmm. And what the center does is, uh, well, a lot of things, but the sort of core pieces of the mission are that we have an interpretive center, a physical space, a museum, if you will, mm-hmm. that uh, people can visit. And about 3,000 people a year come from all over the country, really? to wow. some degree all over the world, to huh. tiny little Beaufort, South Carolina, uh-huh. to visit this interpretive center where we have artifacts and stories from Pat's life as a reader, as a writer, as a teacher. Um, but in addition to having this museum space, we also engage in a lot of outreach programming, educational programming, mm-hmm. not just in Beaufort and not just in South Carolina, but really all over the South. Mm-hmm. Last year, we hosted or otherwise participated in about 120 events in 10 states. So it really is a broad reach that we've been able to put together in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. The center isn't quite yet three years old yet, mm-hmm. and yet we've already grown this remarkable presence that really impacts the lives of so many readers and writers and teachers and students. Sure. And for our listeners, when you come in the front door, what what would they see? What are the kinds of, are there artifacts, you know, are there, are there original manuscripts for people to look at? What kinds of, of things would people see when they come in? All of those things, in fact. Uh, what, what I say is that when you enter the center, you sort of immediately feel the presence and the absence of Pat Conroy, and mm-hmm. that's what we want. We mm-hmm. really want to create a space that immerses you into, into Pat's life. Some of the larger artifacts that people are immediately drawn to are things like Pat Conroy's writing desk from his Fripp mm. Island home. Some, okay. some part of every book from Beach Music Forward was written longhand at that desk. Wow. 
and we have a rough recreation of that office, that writing room. Mm -hmm. We also have his father's flight jacket, the Great Santini's actual flight jacket, that's been depicted on the cover of both the the Great Santini, the novel, and then later the death of Santini. Mm thanks to the Pat Connery archive at USC at Thomas Cooper Library, mm-hmm. Rare Books and Special Collections. We do have some facsimiles of original manuscripts and letters and correspondence. So you can see Pat's uh, longhand draft of the opening prologue to the Prince of Tides, for wow. example, the letter that he wrote to his parents after his first day of teaching on Defusky Island, mm-hmm. and some of his very early poetry, uh, long before he became the, this internationally acclaimed writer that we celebrate now. You can see the, the rough beginnings of Pat Conroy as writer, too, when he was writing as a student at Buford High School and then later as a student at the Citadel as well. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating because you think of, uh, you know, someone who was such a, a, an important writer and a lot of important writers out there who have, who, who are no longer with us, they don't have this, you know, yeah. they don't have a literary center with, with programming and, you know, a staff. Um, so was, was this something you, you saw coming or was it something that kind of surprised you that that happened as as far as the literary center being created and you having been invited? The genesis of the idea began with Pat's agent, Marley Russoff, who had been involved in the creation of another literary center, The Loft. Uh, So she had this idea very early on. It's a big, ambitious idea, but thankfully so many of Pat's readers and supporters got behind it as well. Mm -hmm. And they, too, wanted for there to be a living legacy for Mm -hmm. Pat Conroy, this Mm -hmm. this space that we've created. And there are, uh, oh, probably about 75 of these author homes and museums around the country. Most of us are affiliates of the American Writers Museum, the Mm -hmm. national version of what we do based in Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's a really wonderful thing to be able to offer. And and you're absolutely right in that writers who don't have this kind of ongoing presence uh, risk disappearing, risk Mm -hmm. not being read, not being discovered, sort Mm -hmm. of dying twice, if you will, the Mm -hmm. physical death and then the death of no longer being read. And I don't think that's going to be Pat Conroy's fate at all Mm -hmm. uh, because of the level of support we've already seen for Mm -hmm. what we're doing. More than just telling Pat's story, though, uh, we're in the business of helping other people tell their stories, helping find and foster whomever the next Pat Conroy might be as well. Okay. And that's really important to what, to what we get to do. So do you help, like, aspiring writers and, and you know, maybe reach out to... Um, to publishers, or, or what well, kinds of things do you do with among that? Among the many things that we do under the big category of programming is that we offer a lot of workshops for writers. Uh, on the small scale, it might be a one-day, one-hour sort of class, and on the large scale, it's a multi-day conference or writer's retreat, sort mm-hmm. of immersive experience mm-hmm. with guest faculty brought, over, brought from all over, uh, writers and publishers and agents and editors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do this for kids as young as middle school. We have uh, what's known as an annual um, Camp Conroy, an event that we began last year with a group of nine students. Uh, And over the course of two weeks, they wrote, illustrated, edited, designed, and published a 32-page book together. Mm -hmm. This is fantastic. What a wonderful thing to do in Beaufort, South Carolina, Mm -hmm. for nine kids with three instructors. Let's see what we can grow it to in the next year. Maybe we can get up to 12 students. Mm -hmm. So we had 30 students this year, uh, three instructors, a group of college students assisting as sort of camp counselors, 
and we had to move the whole thing to a larger space, uh, which turned out to be Beaufort Middle School, mm. which when Pat Conroy was a student in Beaufort, mm-hmm. was the Beaufort High School that he went to and then wow. later taught at. That's so crazy. Camp Conroy <laughs> was being held on the very campus where Pat himself had been That's in his uh, younger years in Beaufort. So really remarkable experience for us to be able to have and something mm-hmm. we'll continue now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, what kind of, you, you mentioned these events, but I know you've also got a festival coming up, and uh, that's end of October. Uh, that's tell, right. Tell folks a little bit about what's involved with that. Well, our big signature event each year is the Pat Conroy Literary Festival, which actually began when Pat was still around. I was honored to be able to put together for Pat a sort of 70th birthday party that we called the Pat Conroy at 70 Festival in October of 2015. Mm-hmm. And that now continues each year as the Pat Conroy Literary Festival. Okay. It's grown from originally a sort of three-day event into something that's now nearly a week long. Wow. And this year it will begin on October 29th with the launch of Cassandra King Conroy's new memoir about her marriage with Pat called mm. Tell Me a Story. And we'll continue up through that Sunday, November 3rd. Uh, most of this year's events are, are entirely free to the public. That's new this year, and we've moved most of them downtown because the center now has such a strong presence downtown. Oh, great. We really want our visitors, who typically come from about 24 states for this mm-hmm. weekend, to mm-hmm. to experience the town of Beaufort. To be and out. Beaufort's wonderful. I mean, you know, it's like I remember the first time I visited Beaufort, and I thought to myself, this is like a smaller version of Charleston, you know, it's, but it's, it's manageable. You know, Charleston yeah. is so inundated with, with tourists and horse and buggies and all, and, but Beaufort has, has a charm of its own. Beaufort has never lost its authentic charm as being a, a small Southern town. It mm-hmm. just feels like a hometown, whether it's your hometown or not, you just mm-hmm. immediately feel welcome in Beaufort. And that's been true for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I think part of that reason is you can't get to Beaufort by accident. You have to. Right. Sort of, you really you have, have to, to go. <laughs> yes. You have to intend to go to Beaufort. Oh, yeah. So that's reflected in the character of the town. Definitely. Um, What other kinds of organizations do you partner with? Because we have a lot of literary organizations in the state. And, you know, there's like SEBA, the... What's that? The is it the Southeastern Independent Booksellers? Southern Associ- Independent. Southern, and then yes. there's even like Hub City Press up in Spartanburg, and lots of different organizations. Uh, who all do you partner with? Virtually everyone. Virtually everything that we do through the Conroy Center is done in partnership with another organization, mm-hmm. in part because we're a young organization still mm-hmm. finding our own way, but also because collaboration is just a really good idea. Mm-hmm. So in Beaufort, we work with the university and the technical college and many of our other local nonprofits and museums. Statewide, we've done some work with the Friends of South Carolina Libraries. Mm-hmm. We'll be hosting their annual conference in Beaufort for the first time next April. Oh, wonderful. And we've, of course, uh, already hosted the South Carolina Academy of Authors for their annual induction weekend, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful thing to bring into Beaufort mm-hmm. as well. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned SIBA. SIBA is just uh, last weekend. We had a strong presence up there. SIBA, as an organization, gives out an annual a Pat Conroy Legacy Award to a uh-huh. writer who's reflective of the, the spirit of generosity of Pat Conroy. Mm-hmm. And this year it went to Wiley Cash, who we've hosted in Beaufort and, and mm-hmm. worked with um, off, off campus, if you will, as mm-hmm. well, at the Southern Festival of Books in Nashville. Wow. So I was really delighted to see that Wiley was honored in, in that way. SIBA mm-hmm. also is a sponsor of the Conroy Center. As part of that award, they make an annual donation to us. Mm-hmm. And we had a presence at the festival this year, both with Cassandra King for the 
memoir I mentioned, Tell Me a Story, Mm -hmm. and also for the book that I'm co-editor of, Our Prince of Scribes, Writers Remember Pat Conroy, Mm -hmm. one of 67 writers who've participated in that book. And in the last year since it was published, we've done close to 60 events in 10 states for it. Of the 67 writers who are in it, 51 of us have now participated in at least one of those events. And that's taken us out into bookstores and libraries and literary events all over the South, uh, almost always in partnership with another entity, too. So most importantly, do you ever get to take a vacation? (laughs) Well, I I mean, it sounds like you're doing so much. You know, Pat used to say there's a, there's going to come a time when you don't get the invitations. So you gotta you gotta take them when they yeah. come. Yeah. But the other thing is that I'm now living in the place we used to vacation in. Okay. So mm-hmm. what a wonderful way to live a life, I think. Definitely. In definitely. service to others, but in the place you you wanted to call home and now mm-hmm. now get to call home. Yeah, very cool. Um, so I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, something that I know uh, Pat had an opinion about, which you're going to talk to us about. But uh, next week is Banned Books Week, and that's uh, this year is September 22nd through the 28th. And um, you had shared with me uh, a letter to the editor of the Charleston Gazette that Pat had written. And um, just talk to us a little bit about, you know, his take on on book banning and and just that whole thought process. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Pat was very opinionated on this matter, not just this matter, but mm-hmm. certainly this matter. Well, as a, as a young man, as a student at Buford High School, Pat came under the tutelage of Gene Norris, this fantastic English teacher. And Gene really wanted his class to read Catcher in the Rye, mm-hmm. and there was apparent protest against that. And Gene asked Pat to write an essay in support of this uh, that uh, was going to be read before the school board when Gene was called in to defend it. Hmm. And I think Gene knew at the time that Pat's essay wasn't actually going to be needed, that there, there was mm-hmm. you know, no pragmatic need for this. Uh, but he really wanted Pat to think about why this book mattered and why books shouldn't be banned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Pat wrote an essay. We have no idea if that still exists. Mm-hmm. But he did write about the fact that Gene asked him to do this. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that book was allowed to be read at Buford High. So that was sort of Pat's introduction to the idea that books could be banned, mm-hmm. but that freedom of expression, freedom of press was more important than any, any concerns people might have about content. You, you needed to have access to information. Mm-hmm. And then Pat experienced this himself when he published books about the Citadel when he Mm. was persona non grata on campus for Mm -hmm. a while. And his novel, The Lords of Discipline, was for a time uh, banned on the Citadel campus. Hmm. And so it was the item most frequently confiscated from Cadet Barracks, right? (laughs) Because everybody wanted to read it. That's right. So Pat sort of realized early on that banned books was almost a marketing tool. It really is. I mean, we chatted about that before we started recording the podcast. And we were thinking, gosh, if I was an author, I would love to have my book banned (laughs) because that means everybody would want to get their hands on it. It's super ineffective. Mm -hmm. in in its way. Uh, So the letter uh, that I mentioned to you earlier was written in 2007. Mm -hmm. Pat got a letter from a student at uh, Charleston, West Virginia, Hmm. that two of his books, The Prince of Tides and Beach Music, were being banned on her high school campus, that parents had raised concerns about this, Mm -hmm. and that students and English teachers were trying to make a case for for having these books read. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Pat responded to this email from a student with a letter to 
to the editor. And Pat was great about knocking out these letters to the editor on mm-hmm. any topic that uh, that he really saw uh, an underdog in, in need of a defense. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful letter, and it appears in full in uh, the book, A Low Country Heart, which was published after Pat passed away. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind, I want to read just a short passage from sure, it that I think sort of speaks to, uh, to Pat's intentions here. Definitely. So this is Pat. The world of literature has everything in it, and it refuses to leave anything out. I have read like a man on fire my whole life because the genius of English teachers touched me with the dazzling beauty of language. The school board of Charleston, West Virginia, has sullied that gift and shamed themselves and their community. You've now entered the ranks of censors, book banners, and teacher haters, and the word will spread. Good teachers will avoid you as though you had cholera, but here's my favorite thing. Because you banned my books, every kid in that county will read them, every single one of them, because book banners are invariably idiots. They don't know how the world works, but writers and English teachers do. I salute the English teachers of Charleston, West Virginia, and send my affection to their students. That's really cool. Yes. I mean, you know, you, you hear something like that and you think, he knew exactly what he was doing, you know? Absolutely, he did. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so what kind of, I, I know, you know, book banning has a lot to do with libraries and schools, but do you have any other kinds of like library related stories that either are from Pat or for you personally? I have a sort of interconnected experience that is uh, that Pat and I are now sharing in our way. Mm-hmm. A few years ago when the Conroy Center opened, I was invited to give a talk to the Friends of South Carolina Libraries mm-hmm. annual meeting. And the Conroy Center was so new, I didn't really have a lot to say about the center. So what I decided to talk about instead was Pat Conroy's relationship with libraries mm. and what they had meant to him mm-hmm. as a young person and then later in life as, as a person who ultimately ended up with a personal library of nearly 8,000 books mm-hmm. that, that weren't just for show. This mm-hmm. is a guy who would read 200 pages a day and was wow. always first and foremost a reader. Mm-hmm. And the beginnings of that uh, go uh, to Pat's relationship with public libraries. Mm-hmm. So I gave what amounted to about a 20-minute talk at the Friends annual meeting. And after that, a couple of library directors and Friends presidents who were there said, that was, we really enjoyed that. Do you have an hour-long version you could come to our library and give? And I said, yes, I do. And the truth was, no. No, but I will create one. (laughs) 20 minutes you had just heard. But in the course of finding those 20 minutes, I knew there was at least an hour's worth of material. Definitely. So I put together this talk called, I Was Born to Be in a Library, Pat Conroy's Great Love of Libraries. Mm -hmm. And I've given it for the last three years, about 40 times all over the state of South Carolina, Mm -hmm. occasionally beyond done this at professional meetings, at the annual meeting of the South Carolina Library Association. There's a version I do for Staff Education Day, specifically for uh, for library professionals. Mm And there's versions that I've done for friends groups as well. I've turned it into a two-hour class that I do as a lifelong learning for OLLI, the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute Mm -hmm. around the state as well. Sort of become my free bird. I have like Mm -hmm. five different Conroy lectures that I do, but this is by far the one that is most requested. Mm -hmm. 
And as I've gotten to go out and give this talk in libraries, it's never just a talk. It's always a dialogue. So I get to learn from the host librarians and their patrons what that particular library means to them uh, as yeah. well, mm -hmm. how central it is not just to their reading lives, but to their lives in the big sense as mm -hmm. well, sure. that this is a safe place. It's a familiar place. It's the heartbeat of, of the community. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to go to new libraries and well-established libraries, and it's, the, it's in many ways the same experience each time. The, the mm -hmm. central importance of libraries is just amazing to see through the lens of someone like Pat Conroy, who I don't think ever would have become a writer or a reader or a teacher mm -hmm. without access to libraries and librarians. This is true of his mother as well. I get to tell a little oh, bit of her story okay. in the talk also. Hmm. And, and what is what was her connection? Well, Pat grew up sort of in the backwoods beyond the backwoods and didn't have much access to public education growing mm -hmm. up. But she was able to fill in the gaps through access to libraries and librarians. And she read so deeply that she was able to convince college-educated women, other officers' wives, that she too was a college graduate mm -hmm. when it's entirely possible she didn't even graduate high school. Oh, really? She was so well-read that that was, uh, that was an easy thing. It was an easy claim for her to make, entirely believable. Hmm. And as Pat would go through his own education and be given lists of books to read for high school, for college, Peg would read them right alongside Pat. So mm. they were, in many ways, sort of attending the same English classes together mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. this way, having this remarkable connection with words and language and, and books that continued through Pat's whole life. Hmm. I mean, it really goes to show you the, I mean, just this as an example, just the power of libraries, just the power of having access to you know, great literature and um, nonfiction and, and all that. Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, collections that, that libraries have. Sure. It, it's the, the resources, the books uh, that are important, but I think it's also the space and the people, the librarians that you find in there to walk into a place where there's a professionally trained staff that values books and readers that can connect the, the readers to the books, to the materials, to the resources that are going to be transformative for them, not only can do this, but happily do it every single day for mm -hmm. free as mm -hmm. a service to the community. <laughs> That's right. How amazing is that? Your, Where else in this tax, world? tax dollars at work. <laughs> you can walk into a library with virtually any problem and somebody there is going to help point you to the resources mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. may have the solution to that problem. Yeah. What an amazing thing to have available in every community. Oh, yeah. Um, Libraries have changed over the years. Um, so we're seeing libraries have more and more online resources, mm -hmm. providing more and more community-based events um, and, and programming. What do you think Pat would think about that, that change? Well, Pat was uh, never really one to embrace technology. Mm -hmm. Early on he was. When he was a teacher, he was. But that didn't really continue his whole life. But he understood that others did. Mm -hmm. He understood that this was a value to other people, even if it wasn't necessarily a value to him. Mm -hmm. And I think that he would have celebrated anything whatsoever that gives people access to books and mm -hmm. literature and learning in the way that libraries do. Um, I certainly do too. I've, I've remembered days in which I've arrived early at a talk for a library 
and the parking lot is full and I walk in and I don't see anybody at all in the stacks. Mm -hmm. And then I go up to the computer lab and there's a class going on mm -hmm. or people are applying for jobs or working on resumes or doing all these other wonderful things that libraries do for the community. Mm -hmm. Oh, there they are. Yep, That's that, what the library is doing today. Exactly, yeah. It really, I, I've seen the same changes over the many years that I've worked in libraries and, and you know, a lot of people think, well, there's just Google. We can just, you know, Google it and get information that way. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we need to always make sure people know that, you know, there's tons of other things that libraries are doing now. Sure. For instance, this podcast. You know, here we are at a library creating a podcast. We're creating original content right exactly. now. Sure. Yep. Yep. So. And the way in which that material circulates to ebooks and uh, downloadable audio content, material that you can check out of a library without ever having to set foot in the physical space, mm -hmm. the circulation numbers for that kind of content, simply remarkable. At any library I've ever spoken to about that, it's just mm -hmm. a phenomenal resource to be able to offer. And so libraries and, and or friends groups, they can just contact you through the uh, PatConroyLiterarySenter.org website and try to set up schedules events with you? They can. This is also something that I offer through South Carolina Humanities Speakers Bureau, which okay. is a wonderful roster of speakers available, and mm -hmm. libraries very often find me that way as okay. well. All right. This is the sort of thing I thought I was going to do those two times after that friends <laughs> meeting. And, and you now know, it's been three, years. Three years later, <laughs> still doing it. And there never seems to be a point when I don't have at least one more on the calendar. Yeah. So the next one coming up is, I believe, October 10th at the new uh, Wando Library in Mount Pleasant, South okay. Carolina, which I'm excited to see. I've not, I've not visited that library. It's brand new. Probably still has new library smell in it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Kind of like new that. car smell, new library yes. smell, all those new books. Indeed. <laughs> Very cool. Um, what other kinds of programs or projects do you have coming up with the center or, or with writing or anything? Sure. Well, we mentioned a little bit the Pat Conroy Literary Festival, which is coming up at the end of October. Mm -hmm. And uh, Cassandra King Conroy, of course, is part of that program. Most of our speakers this year are connected to uh, subjects of either memoir or conservation. So we have folks like Janice Ray coming and John Lane and, and uh, Dana and Virginia Beach, Mary Alice Monroe. Okay. So we've got a lot of books and author programming centered around that. That Camp Conroy that I mentioned earlier, the summer camp program, mm -hmm. those kids are gonna participate in the festival this year too, which is a really nice thing to be able to offer them. That is uh, cool. their, their second book signing as well, the book that they produced this year, 78 mm -hmm. pages long, called okay. Reword. Re Reworld, excuse me, mm -hmm. uh, that will have a session at the festival too. So that's the big event coming up. Uh, next weekend, even before that festival, we're hosting our annual Low Country Book Club convention, mm -hmm. uh, which is different from our literary festival in that it's really geared toward people who are either members of a book club or considering being members of a book club. Mm -hmm. And while we have authors come, very little of their time is spent talking about their lives as writers. We really want them to talk about their lives as readers, as member of a literary community, mm. and talk about uh, what that means to have their books embraced by book clubs. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our talk, a lot of our content at that event, the Low Country Book Club Convention, is about how to have a, a robust life as a reader. Hmm. Okay. And um, how many usually attend the festival? The festival, it's over 2,000 who will participate over the wow. course of the weekend. Now, That's amazing. Never all in one place at one time, of course, but mm -hmm. we're spread out this year over Bluffton, uh, Beaufort, Hilton Head, 
Dauta Island as well. Wow. So a lot of spaces, a lot of communities that we're going to get to visit under the umbrella of the festival. And you're doing all this with a staff of how many and how many volunteers? Uh, thankfully, we have a wonderful core of volunteers. Uh, we only have two staff members. You know, we can have staff meetings in a kayak, but <laughs> we have this wonderful core of community volunteers who have really gotten to be so supportive of what the Conroy Center does. They are fantastic to work with. And this year we have a number of student interns as well from USCB and from Beaufort High School. Oh, wow. That's and they're great. all participating in the festival in their way. That's very cool. Well, you all are doing some great stuff in the Low Country, and um, we're certainly glad to hear all about it. And people can definitely go to the Pat Conroy Literary Center.org website and also the Pat Conroy Literary Festival.org website to learn a lot more. So thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Curtis. I've enjoyed our conversation, as always. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. And until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.